Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we are talking to Roy McLaughlin and Matt Hall. In this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Roy McLaughlin, Associate Director of Cavendish Ware and Co-Chair of the Income Protection Task Force, and Matthew Hall, Strategy and Operations Manager at the CII, talking on behalf of the Society of Insurance Broking. We will be talking about ways to plug the income protection gap. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here is our conversation with Roy and Matt. Hello to you both and thank you for joining us on CII Radio today. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Great to have you here. So Roy, if I come to you first, what is the current size of the protection gap and why are people currently underinsured? Okay, so this is the uh, probably the most asked question as to the size of the protection gap. I guess the answer is pretty much every single person in the population because if you think about it, every single person in the population could have a situation where something would happen to them where they would have a long-term illness and therefore, you know, depending on, on who you listen to, that could be 20 to 25 million people. The latest estimate is that people that are covered by group income protection is about 8% of the population. So 92 out of every 100, which is a big number. It is a big number. So why would you say it's important for consumers to be sufficiently protected? Roy, if I come to you first. Okay, so I think the first issue here is rather than talk about product is to talk about the concept. And the concept is basically of two issues happening, which is what happens to you if you're off long-term ill in terms of your respective employment? And what happens if you're long-term ill in terms of what the state will do to look after you as well? And I think what we want to do here is, is, is just encourage people to think about the answer to both of those questions, which involves some research, obviously, and then form their own conclusions. If those conclusions are such that they need a solution, then they might come to advisors you know, to, to, uh, to source that solution. Okay, then. Um, Matt, would you agree with that? Have you got anything to add? I absolutely agree. I mean... We often see IP as one of the most misunderstood products. Um, consumers are often assuming that their employer or or the government would step in in case of major illness, for example. But that support is often in reality very limited if it exists at all. There couldn't be a more topical example right now. There's been a widely reported spike in IP product interest due to the global coronavirus issue. That's widely expected to cause impact both medically and economically across the world. Three months ago, no one had even heard of it. That's why it's it's really important that consumers are sufficiently protected. And I think you've just uh, hit the nail on the head there. I, I suspect the majority of people would have assumed that there'd be some sort of cover their employer. And if you look at the news, even though the last few days, it's people need to go and check with the employer what happens for self-isolation, for example. And, you know, it's probably OK if you're in a, in a biggish type of employer where I'm sure there there is the ability to, you know, to adapt and, and give people the ability to do that. But small employers might not be able to, uh, you know, to cope with that situation. And I think that's really going to focus the mind as to what people do, you know, if, if, if this does happen to them. Matt, what can the profession do to make it simpler to obtain cover and get your claim paid for me i think there's there's two elements to this and i think that's around public education and professional advice so going back to what we spoke about previously around ip being a misunderstood product we've got to help consumers to understand it to a greater extent that could be on a broader basis so informing the public on the value of obtaining ip um, but it also should take place at the point of sale the benefits and the extent of the cover within a policy should be clearly and, and simply explained to a consumer and they should be left in no doubts around any area of the policy I think linking into that, 
there's customer vulnerability as a big issue. Advisors need to take the time to identify potential vulnerabilities and take steps to make sure vulnerable customers are receiving the appropriate advice. There may also be occasions when cover cannot be provided. In these cases, we believe it should be standard practice across the industry to signpost to other firms who may be able to assist in that. I also talked about professional advice, and and I think that's a key component as well. We encourage all of our members to have the right skills and knowledge to secure the best outcomes for their customers. We often talk at the society about the changing nature of professionalism, and in particular, taking a more holistic view. What I mean by that is not just focusing solely on technical skills, but also the broader business and communication skills that are required in this area. So when having those conversations with consumers, are advisors and brokers asking the right questions? And are they listening to the answers properly? Are they identifying the needs and goals, both in the short, medium and long term of the customer, and then recommending appropriate products? That's what it really comes down to, particularly when we're talking about getting claims paid, If the advisory process is carried out to a high professional standard in the first place, the customer will have a clear understanding of the policy they've purchased and and the extent of protection. If they do have cause to make a claim one day, that process should be much more straightforward because of the advice they received. So Roy, do you think there's a perception with the general public that income protection pays out? Um, I think there's a perception with the general public that the insurance sometimes full stop doesn't pay out. And, you know, the great news here with income protection is that the payout rates are phenomenal. All the main companies in the market are paying 90% plus. And the important thing is, is when they don't pay out, if you look at the reasons for not paying out, they're incredibly valid. The, the answer to your question is this is one of the products where we don't have a problem with, with, with legitimate payouts. But again, going back to one of my earlier points, we need to tell this story and we need to re-emphasize this story. And can you talk to us briefly about the added value benefits? Okay, so one of one of the most surprising things about the Seven Families campaign, which I'd encourage everyone to, to listen to, was as well as paying the individual Seven Families an amount of money, we also arranged for added value benefits. And the obvious ones there are things like second opinion services, online doctors, um, counselling support, those sort of things. And I think what the industry's woken up to is that the added value benefits are as equally as important as the actual claim monies themselves. What we'd encourage advisors to do is obviously to educate themselves on on these on these benefits. And there's a great example at the moment, you know, with with doctor surgeries saying that they're going to find it very difficult for people to go in and visit them. Okay, uh, there are several of these companies that will give you um, you know online access to a GP now. So the, these things are very very important. Second opinion services are incredibly important. I, I guess all our listeners will be able to relate to you know you, even if you go and see your GP, you probably got about four and a half minutes with them. And I think all of us have walked out of a GP and said, oh, yeah, shouldn't I have asked that question? Or he's just said something to me. I'm not sure quite you know quite sure what he said. I need, I need some clarification. And, and, you know, the income protection providers will provide these second opinion services, will provide these online services. So it's very important we don't just look at income protection in isolation. It's what you also get alongside the product. Sometimes we overcomplicate income protection. But if you think about it, it's just a balance sheet. And if you ask most people what their incoming are each month, most people will say their salary. And I guess hopefully most of us have got a rough idea what that is. The interesting question there is outgoings. Okay, And if you say to people, could you list your outgoings? You tend to mention the biggest one first, which is mortgage or rent, but thereafter, can you actually list them in the correct way? And I think part of the advisor's role here is actually to help with that process. And, and sometimes it's just a very basic piece of paper with, you know, what are your outgoings? And then the obvious scenario here is if the incomings weren't coming in, 
How are you going to deal with the outgoings? Okay, and that's all really income protection is. We sometimes overcomplicate this product, but if you think about it, it is protecting your income about an incoming not coming in, uh, if that makes sense. So, um, and you know, the the one thing that gets forgotten a lot here um, is that traditionally you would say that your mortgage is your biggest um, incoming uh, outgoing. Sorry, but obviously um, suddenly we're living in this thing called generation rent. Okay, and there are you know lots of areas where there'll be more renters than owners, and I think as a profession we need to be very wary of this. And the fact that if you think about how much sympathy a lender would have if someone's off a long-term ill, okay, not a lot, I can promise you it's even less to a private landlord. Okay, so it's, these are examples where as a profession we've got to think through the whole uh, logistical process. Right, so Roy, what can insurance brokers and financial advisors do to ensure more people are sufficiently insured? Okay, this, this is very simple for me, it's just tell stories. Okay. What we need to do is we need to go out and tell stories to people about what happens in those scenarios. And there's a great example recently, the Seven Families campaign, where we went out and told seven stories to the general public about what would happen to, to seven different families in the event of them being off ill and how they would have coped. And I think the great thing about stories is that when people, um, I mean, let's face it, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, uh, you know, unless there's a virus around, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, I want to take out some income protection today. You still need to have, uh, you know, a reason for talking to them about this. And the anecdotes and stories and real life situations is what people can relate to. So I think we, we, we need to carry on with those and we need to obviously educate the advisory community as how to, as you've just mentioned, Matt, how to deliver those in a clear and concise way. There's no point scaring people, okay? But obviously there is an element of disturbance in here where people have got to be made aware of what happens if this happens to me. And that, that if you think about it, is probably the central role of the advisor. Now, a virus comes along and yes, automatically the press stir up, a, you know, a, sometimes a scaremonger inside of this, but, you know, an element of, are you sure you're going to be looked after? But put that to one side, let's go back to normalities. Hopefully we will soon. I think we, what we need to do focus on here is is why that might happen, but also the propensity. And what I mean by that is the industry sells a lot of insurance policies, a lot of critical illness policies, but it doesn't sell enough income protection policies. And yet all of us in this room know that statistically you're more likely to be off long-term ill than you are to have a critical illness or to die. Okay, so actually, if you think about it, we're advising the wrong way around. Income protection should be the first protection policy you talk about, and everything else should fall into place afterwards. And that is a, an education process that needs to happen internally as, as much as with the consumer. Yeah. So what can our listeners do to secure better outcomes for clients? Very good question. One of the things that we're very aware of here is that some of your listeners will be sitting there going, okay, this is great, and I, and I get the concept, and I realise I should be talking to more people about this, but actually, it's not something I specialise in. So the good news here is that there is a new concept called signposting which some people might have heard about where they can come to other people in the industry who will help them with uh, with this solution in terms of taking that work off them and, and and therefore effectively outsourcing the solution to someone else and we would really encourage people who generally don't want to do this themselves but hopefully listen to podcasts such as this and said actually you're right um, and the reason for that is that um, whether people like it or not, statistically, everyone that's listening to this podcast will have some clients who are going to be off long-term ill. That much we know. That is a fact. Um, so just simply burying one's head in the sand is probably not the right thing to do. But I, I get the specialisation argument. And, um, you know, signposting, um, I'll let Matt say more about it, but signposting, we think, was, is, is a good idea of, of fulfilling that, that situation. Um, absolutely. So I think for advisors who are unable to provide cover um, there's a number of different places they can go to um, to find out 
where they can where they can get help with that whether that's the income protection task force um, or the personal finance society or the society of insurance broking there's a wealth of, of good practice guidance uh, knowledge and insight out there that can can help them assist their customers that's great it's been great talking today about the ways that we can plug the income protection gap and um, thank you both so much for joining us on cii radio to find out more you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcast or find us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, thank you for listening to CII Radio.